Well, good morning. Oops, we'll go ahead and get the lines muted, and then we'll go. All right, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Jen A. from Colorado, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and uh, your moderator for today. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, in the chapter titled, A Vision for You. We're on page 157, and we're reading the third paragraph, beginning with hopelessness was written large on the man's face, ending with, I don't understand it. Today's readers are Team Tuesday. We have Ashley F., Ramona A., Maria H., Nancy C., Karen W., and Barb W. Thanks for being a part of Team Tuesday this month. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, October 2nd, 2023, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 20,693. That's 20693. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Big Book Study recording is 20,694. 20694. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ashley F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Ashley. This is Ashley F. calling in from Kentucky, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I will now ask Nancy C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, family. Nancy C. gratefully recovered this morning in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eat overeater who still suffers. X, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should, refrain, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the, press, the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. My pass. All right. Thank you, Ashley and Nancy. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature that stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderating is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you're going to press star 1 to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the chapter of, in the chapter of vision for you. We're in the big book on page 157 in the third paragraph. I will now ask Ramona A to begin reading. Hi, I'm Ramona A, compulsive overeater in Vermont. Hopelessness was written large on the man's face as he replied, "Oh, but that's no use." 
Nothing would fix me. I'm a goner. The last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. I'm afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. So hopelessness, hopelessness was a part of my life by the time I came to OA. I just, I had had clean times once in a while, a day, a month, a year, you know, but it never lasted. I always found myself, you know, I'd humiliated myself so many times. And I'd always found myself, you know, the next day going out to eat um, something that I, you know, wasn't supposed to eat, you know, wasn't supposed to, wasn't good for me, would be on my red list once I actually got into OA and had a food plan. So hopelessness was really there. And um, I just, just come to thinking of myself, just accepting myself, I should be a fat person for the rest of my life. So when I did that, continued eating, all I did was gain more weight. I thought I would stay at a stable weight, but that didn't that didn't even help there. So I just went up and down like a seesaw. And hopelessness though I think is was a gift by the time that I got to hopelessness because that was what said to me, you know, I'll find a way, you know. What happened, I had just gone in one evening to uh, a pay-and-way to try to start that program, and it was one I hadn't tried yet. And so I did that, and then I immediately went to the grocery store and got, you know, a box of donuts and ate them all. And I said, okay, this this isn't going to work. You know, I knew a little bit about 12-step programs, not I hadn't been to you know been to one for a few weeks or something, but not not a lot, but I said, I know enough about it. that's what I want to find is overeaters anonymous so i did i I went there and I found I was home, I was home, I was just um like he did here, you know a little later, I identified with everyone. And then what I received was hope in return. So I kept going. And that was, you know, that was the changing point for me. That was what changed my life forever. And um, with that, I passed. Thank you so much, Ramona A., for getting us started today. We do value everyone's experiences on the line with us. We ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. I'll go ahead and take a name of uh, people who would like to share on what was read today. If you give me your first name, the first initial of your last name, that would be great. Go right ahead. Katie G from Boston. Christine J. Katie. Lynn S. Christine J. Larry K. I think it was Lynn S. Is that correct, Lynn? And then Lynn S. Yes. Yeah. And, and then who was after Lynn? Did you get Melissa C? Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> I heard you. Thank you. Then I have Melissa C, Larry K, and Julie R. That covers it for the first round. All right. I think we got everybody. Katie, Christina, Lynn, Melissa, Larry, and Julie. Go right ahead, Katie. Good morning. 
Hey, John. Good morning. Thanks for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. I'm Katie G. I am a recovered compulsive eater. Um, you know, I love that he's hopeless because hopelessness means no possibility of a better situation. Goner is I can't be saved. And, you know, I relate to being afraid to go out the door. I can't understand it. You know, when I was in exercise bulimia, I was afraid to schedule anything. I was terrified to live life if I couldn't put exercise first, if I couldn't get on the scale first, if I couldn't get the right number first. I didn't want to be among people, but it is so exciting to be that hopeless. You know why? Because the I know guy gets, gets is gone, right? Like as soon as I'm hopeless, as soon as I was absolutely defeated, you know, I was able to call that sponsor and say, what do I do? What do I do? Help me. Tell me what to do. I was no longer interviewing sponsors. And if you're interviewing sponsors out there, that's great, but good luck. Like I needed to be told what to do, when to do it, because I didn't know how. The disease took everything from me. And I love, too, this idea that I can't understand it. And what's the job of a recovered compulsive eater? Well, the recovered compulsive eaters in my life, they taught me what the ism of this disease is. So I don't know about you guys, but I needed a stiff milkshake on my way to kindergarten. What I mean by that is I have alcoholism. I have food addictionism, or however you want to say it, which is that before I even put that food into my body, what am I? I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm dishonest and afraid. I'm terribly afraid. My best memories of, of growing up were feeling terrified about people because I felt like I should be somebody else doing something else with some other people at some other time. And food just came along because I needed an outlet. I needed something to nourish, to stop that internal craving that I had, that internal craving that happened way before. Right? And so that's what the recovered fellows taught me. You taught me what it means to be an alcoholic, what it means to, to be abstinent only, what it means to have the food down, but be stark, raving, shouting, cranky, butt, like screaming at my family, right? Because this is not a diet program. You want a diet program? Go to Weight Watchers. It works. It absolutely does. But what happens with me with Weight Watchers is that I get restless, irritable, and discontent. And I want to pick up the food, right? Like I want to pick it up or I want to pick up bulimia. And today what I understand is I have compulsive overeating-ism. And if I don't work this program a day at a time with inventory, prayer, meditation, and helping others, eating will be a step up. Compulsive exercise will be a step up. And so thanks be to God for our recovered fellows that we get to be taught and to continue to teach and learn. With that, I pass. Thanks so much, Katie G. from Boston. Up next, we have Christina J. followed by Lynn F. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Jan. Thanks for your service. Um, oh, so grateful to be here. I'm from North Carolina and in recovery. Um, I'm a goner. My stepfather was a goner. He was hopeless. He didn't know about the program. He put a gun in his mouth and died. Uh, my sister was a goner. She was an addict all her life with meth and everything else. And she got on prescriptions meds after she got free of meth by white knuckling. And she died, three strokes in the hospital, and they couldn't save her. She died laying in a bed, 99% brain dead. She was hopeless. She was a goner. But these people didn't have program. 
Yesterday, I listened to an AA meeting. Sometimes I do, and I just love them. The AA speaker, and at the end of the story, he was a goner. He'd lost everything. He was didn't know what he was going to do, and a miracle happened, and he found himself at a meeting between two AAs, two recovered AAs, and I just broke out in tears. Here's this hopeless, skinny, lost his teeth uh, guy sitting there, you know, in in a, a few days without alcohol, staring in the front row, not knowing what's going on. He feels like a goner. He doesn't know what's going on. And God brought him to the front row of an AA meeting between two strong people that cared, you know, that cared. And um, I always think of that scripture where two or more are gathered, you know, and in the name of the big book, which to me is in the name of spiritual growth and the walking this path. We are so lucky. If you're on this line, you are lucky. You're not my stepfather who didn't have a chance. You're not my sister. You're not my mother currently laying in a nursing home on opiates and and food addiction and not willing to hear the truth. And at this point, she can't because she has to take those opiates for her pain. She's going to die a goner. God bless her. I mean, there's always a miracle that can happen, but I'm not a goner. I have a chance. I was a goner when I was in the food, and I can become a goner in in a split second. I can become hopeless again and in the food. Do I want that? No. What choice do I have? There is no other choice. We all know no diets work. No pills work. No therapy for me didn't work. No hypnotism. No whatever. No over-exercising. None of it works. This program works. So if you're out there and you're hanging on, kind of listening and wondering, ask yourself, am I a goner? Am I ready to dive in and take these steps and see what these people have? You don't have to find it all at once. One step at a time. One day at a time. You hear a lot of recovered people. They have a lot of God spirit in them. Don't worry about that. That will come for you too. Thank you for letting me share. Love you all. I pass. Thank you so much, Christina J. All right. Up next we have Lynn S. followed by Melissa C. Hey, Lynn. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Vision. This is Lynn S., compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Excuse me. And this brought me right back to me standing in my kitchen, cutting up celery sticks and carrot sticks and eating. It must have been a Tuesday because that's what it says on the sheet of paper. And I couldn't stand cottage cheese, so I was sprinkling in caraway seeds try and get rid of the taste of cottage cheese and it was just like that Demi Moore moment in uh oh I can't remember the name of the movie Ghost I guess or something like that with Patrick Swayze and and this one big tear coming down out of my eye and I'm going I cannot eat like this anymore I cannot live like this anymore it can't be that God looked down and said I want everybody in the world to be happy except for you Lynn Skilling and I want you to be entirely utterly miserable and I remember thinking there's got to be something wrong with me talk about hopeless and this just reading this paragraph just brought me right back there and I was listening to a podcast yesterday from one of our members And she was stressing hopeless. And what she said is, hopeless is good only if there's someone to show us what to do now. 
that we feel hopeless. And isn't that exactly the, the experience this man is going to have with Bill and Bob sitting in front of him? And isn't this exactly the experience that I get to have with the women who have extended their hand to me and are directing me this way? And isn't this exactly the experience all of us get to have on this line a vision for you with people who are here every single morning? who extend their hand to those of us who are hopeless or were hopeless. Because we've all been there, we're showing each other there is a way out. You know, and it's one person. You know, I have to have been helped by somebody who had this disease so that I can then turn around and help somebody else who had this disease. And again, I heard that on a podcast from another member of our program. Thank you, God, for everybody who's here on the line, who's helping us all. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Lynn. S. Up next is Melissa C. Followed by Larry K. Hey, Melissa. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Jen. Thanks so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I think um, I was thinking about in the book where it says what we suffer from is a seemingly hopeless state. And, you know, what what was it um, that made me hopeless was I kept putting my hope and my reliance on a human power, you know, on a method, on a strategy, and mostly on myself, you know, and, and, so, of course, I was terrified because I'm not big enough to manage this problem. And, you know, but I think back to, like, those moments when, and, like, I, I, you know, it's beautiful when we hear one another share our moments of, like, hopelessness, when we really realize, like, this is it and, you know, and we're in trouble. There is something really beautiful about that. And yet that in and of itself is not the power. You know, I think sometimes... We romanticize. I romanticize. I remember, you know, and I would hear people say, I just, you know, I just don't know if I've reached my bottom, you know. And I know, like, I can look back at it now and say, yeah, that was my bottom. But I don't, I don't know that that was the day I stopped eating, you know. But I'll tell you, my, my hopelessness was um, I started feeling terrified, that absolute terror. And... And the thing that I always went to to shut my terror down was food. And the most brilliant thing in the world happened, the most miraculous thing happened for me was that it stopped working. I couldn't get to zero. Um, And that was crushing. You know, that's what they say, like, I can't live with the food and I can't live without it because it just didn't work anymore. And, you know, I know, like, hopeless, you know, that that I can't do this anymore is the best place to start because it's just seemingly hopeless. So long as we put our hope in the right power, you know, and we know, like, in this program, you know, we've got a name for that power, that, that power is God, and we're told you can find him now. That's where my hope lies. You know, so I, I today I do. I have tremendous hope, you know, but it doesn't come from me, and it, and as much as I love this meeting, it doesn't come from a meeting, and it doesn't come from my sponsor.
culture, and it doesn't, and I love fellows, and I love fellowships, and it doesn't come from the fellowship either, although that was an important part of carrying the message to me. What it, what it really comes from is my relationship with a power greater than myself, and my hope has been restored, and my sanity, and my health and well-being, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa. Perfect timing. Up next, we have Larry K. followed by Julie R. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Jen. Thanks so much for your service. Um, my name is Larry K., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, um, there's no sort of when we wave the white flag, there's no sort of half waving the white flag. You know, we, we, we either wave the white flag and surrender and give up, or we don't. And hopelessness. Even that word hopeless, it sounds very negative. I don't, I don't want to be a person that feels hopeless. But the paradox of hope and hopelessness, it, it really lies in their coexistence and their interdependence. They are interdependent upon each other. Because like on the surface, hope and hopelessness appear to be opposites, right? The hope is you know, very optimistic and in the possibility of positive outcomes. And hopelessness seems to represent a state of despair and, you know, you're sinking, you're drowning, the absence of hope. But, but the paradox arises when we consider that hopelessness can actually be the catalyst for the emergence of hope. And I didn't understand that, that hopelessness is the, in this program, it is the currency and the catalyst for the emergence of hope. Because when someone reaches the point of hopelessness, they're, what are they able to do? When they wave that white flag, they're able to confront and acknowledge their current circumstances with complete honesty. And, and, and this acknowledgement really becomes a, a sort of a starting point, a pivot point for seeking the solution. Because prior to that, I always have another idea. I always have some other scheme, some other I'll steal from Jen, pills and potions and all, all kinds of things, and I have another, a plan B and, and so forth, and, and some alternative. I can just, some easier, softer way that I could do this. And in this sense, hopelessness can act as a powerful motivator for, for, for us to sort of rediscover what the, what the steps offer, which is recovery, which is a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening. And, and, and hope and hopelessness are not static, States, they exist on a spectrum. Even in the face of great hopelessness, there can be flickers of hope. As we work the steps, there are flickers of hope, and we see it in each other. And it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. And conversely, hope can be challenged and tested, leading to moments of doubt and despair. So it's the interplay. It's the dance between both. You, you, you come in, we, 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 we experience hopelessness, we begin to work the steps and take actions, and then hope emerges. It emerges. It finds us. It finds us. With that, I pass. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much, Larry. Up next, we have Julie R. And then after Julie, I'll take another list of names for sharing. Go ahead, Julie. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I don't share very much, but this paragraph really, really hit me. Especially when you said, you know, it's no use, I'm a goner. You know, the treatment, yeah, sure. Before OA, I did every kind of diet under the sun. Even in OA, in between being recovered, well, I don't think I was recovered, I was abstinent, but then I would get into relapse. 
you know, I was a goner. You know, I'm five foot two. I was like 302 pounds, uh, eating and purging six times a day, morbidly obese, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in my head, in my heart, I felt that I was hopeless until, you know, I really, really, really followed the instructions in the book. Um, you know, in the past, it was like I would swear off, you know, that I wasn't going to overeat. And then I would, you know, 50 cookies, Halloween candy, purge, all that stuff. And say, you know, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Even in OA, when I was in relapse, I did this. And I always travel for work. And I would just, you know, that three to five days would just be a binge fest. But I acted outwardly okay. But, you know, inside, you know, my mind, my soul, my heart was just a tortured being. And, you know, and then what happens? We say, okay, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm dying. And we become... I guess we the surrender, whatever, however anybody wants to talk about it, but become ready. And when I follow the exact instruction in this big book, right, the miracles start to happen. Yeah, I'm maintaining 155-pound weight loss. I haven't, you know, practiced bulimia. But more importantly than that, because that's just a given, right? We have, you know, we have to put the food down. But I am not that angry, volatile, crazy woman I used to be. And, you know, I just don't live in 10, 11, and 12. It's like I get to thrive in it. So what does that mean? What does my days look like now? Well, I get to practice step 11 in my soul. In the morning, upon awakening, throughout the day, my nightly review, I do 10 steps when I need to. I sponsor at least two people at a time. I have a sponsor. I am so free from the obsession. And I travel weekly. I'm always in a hotel. And it's funny because... I always say, oh, just give me the two waters. I don't want the snack bag. And it's like, how did this happen? By doing the work. But more importantly, I have a creator in my life that is unlike anything else I've ever had. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Julie R. All right. Well, today, if you've joined us a little bit late, we're resuming our study in the chapter titled A Vision for You. We're in the big book on page 157 the third paragraph, um, and we're just reading that one, the third paragraph and commenting on that. Hopelessness is written large on the man's face, um, ending with, I don't understand it. So if you would like to share, um, we do value your experience um, you know, in this group. So maybe every third day would be good. So to share, give me your first initial, uh, your first name, first initial of your last name. Go right ahead. Maria H. Danielle. 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 So I heard a Kelly, a Maria, a Mary, a Jane, and a Rhonda. Did I miss somebody? Melinda L. Melinda. That's good. Lisa B.T. So if you'll go ahead, I'm going to stop there if that's okay. 
Um, if you'll go ahead and give me your name, the first initial of your last name and the state you're calling from when you get up to pitch, that'd be great. Kelly, go right ahead. You'll be followed by Maria. Good morning, guys. It's Kelly S. Um, from Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thanks for your service, Jen. Um, glad to be here on the meeting. Um, I wanted to really share on the very last sentence that he says, I can't understand it. I just couldn't understand it. I'd been around in, you know, in these rooms for 40 years. I just, I didn't understand it. I'd, I, I'd been trying. I was doing everything you guys ever told me to do. You know, I was trying, trying, trying. I was, I was going to more meetings, right? I was um, calling more people. I was using all these tools. I was, you know, and so many times like this guy, you know, um, we've all done that. You know, we, I, I'd get on these diets and then I'd lose the weight and then and I, re- I really meant that this time was going to be different. And then I was eating again, right? I mean, I was in a treatment center myself and literally before I, you know, got home, I think I was binging again. And so many times that happened to me in, in, in these rooms, you know. <laughs> the truth is the majority of my life, I'm 60 years old. I came in when I was 20. So the majority of my history is here in these rooms of thinking this time I've got it. And then I'd be back in the food and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Right. Well, here's why I didn't, it wasn't about lack of desire. And that was the message I was finally getting. It's not about lack of desire. I did want it. I had lack of power. And what didn't I understand? What I found I didn't understand is the real solution. I was into self-will even in these rooms. I thought if I would just try a little harder because it worked last time, last time I tried a little harder and I got abstinent. Last time I tried a little harder and I lost weight, but each time my disease progressed and I didn't understand the progression of the disease. I didn't understand the lack of true power. And what I thought was that, that the meetings were the solution. I thought the big book was the solution. I thought the steps were the solution. And now we hear it all the time. The book, the steps, they're the treasure map to the treasure. I didn't know I, t- I truly lacked this lack of power. And it was going to take surrender of me saying, I don't got this. I don't understand it. That's the truth. This disease is baffling powerful, right? And until I truly understood that the solution was I was working these steps to get to this power because I had to have this relationship. If I don't have the power, the capital P, I don't have a God in my life, I'll never understand it because I won't. I'm not. God is going to have to be my director. As I say, I have to get out of that damn chair and let God be the director, right? I also didn't understand the solution with intensive work with others. I just had sponsees. Nowhere does it say we have sponsees. It says intensive work with others. I had to take people through the work, right? So I'd get recovered, and then I didn't understand. I had to keep working this on a daily basis, right? So I have to work this program, connect with God. That is the solution that I didn't understand, and until I get that, until I truly surrendered surrender to the real solution, I was going to keep going back. Today, I finally understand the solution and have a relationship with God. Thank you for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. from Oklahoma. Up next, we have Maria, followed by Mary. Good morning, Maria. What's the first initial of your last name and where are you calling from today? It's Maria H. in Georgia. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I'm recovered one day at a time here in Georgia, and I just could say ditto to the last share. Uh, just so much of what I wanted to say, and she said it so eloquently. So, 
to focus in on is um, the desperation. Uh, what I hear in this paragraph, that's no use. Nothing will fix me. I'm a goner. Um, I have been in this program since 1990. And, um, and before that, I was manipulating. I was plotting. I was on the graph paper. I was calculating how many calories do I have to burn in order to you know, lose weight in a certain amount of time and how many pounds do I have to lose for a certain event and what does that look like? And, you know, all of that is just an example of control for me, my self-will and my control. And that for many years before program and also many years in program. Um, And me too, right? I thought that the meetings were the answer. I thought the sponsor was the answer. I thought um, the activity or the busyness was the answer. And what I know today is that, um, yes, I have to be willing to be sponsored. I have to be willing to take direction. Um, but I, too, have to carry the message. And um, how many times did I try to make this work and it failed? And, you know, for me, you know, that previous paragraph, we're going to give you a treatment for alcoholism. Um, the vision line has been very instrumental in my recovery and, you know, being willing to hear a message. And for me, it was someone who told my story, I don't know, it's a couple of years ago now, um, who had been in program for a very long time, had a history of relapse like me, and she talked about a solution and how she was not living in the midst of the food. She was not living in the chaos, the mental gymnastics of the food. And I reached out to her, and I'm not going to tell you that I got it right away, um, but through a series of events, um, you know, I just got to a very desperate place, that very fearful place of, I don't know how to get out of this. I really didn't know if I was going to make it back. Um, and fortunately, I did. Um, and I can't tell you that there was anything, you know, really demonstrably different I think it was me. I think it was me with a new level of desperation, a new level of willingness, because I was deathly afraid that I was going to die in this disease. And I had been in these rooms for so long. How was it that I was going to die? Um, it really began with a new God consciousness and a new willingness to follow that higher power. And, you know, just to give you an example of hope, um, you know, Past week, I have been um, in my childhood home uh, with active addiction, and not only did I not eat, but I didn't respond out of anxiety and anger. You know, I really was able to pray first and not take my anger out on that addict. And um, to me, that is such a message of hope, and I heard that. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Maria H. from Georgia, for your share. Up next, we have Mary, followed by Jane. Good morning, Mary. This is Mary G. Can you hear me? If you could speak up just a little, it's a little muffled. Try it again. This is Mary Mary G. Yep, go ahead, Mary. What state are you calling from? I'm uh, recovering in Rochester, New York, and grateful to be in the meeting today, and thank you for your service. Um, A lot of people have said close to what I was going to say, but I just have had so many mornings over the years of getting on my knees and saying, God, please help me stay abstinent today. And then at the end of the day, saying, God, why didn't you 
keep me abstinent today? What what is what is it that's not that I'm not doing, or what's what's going on? And so many days that I I wanted to die, and I just felt like the solution was God take me. And and I got to a point where I realized, oh my God, I am going to die. I will die. And um, I don't want to. And after all those times of saying, please take me, please take me, I realized I don't want to. And um, that was a turning point for me to turn to the outstretched arms of, of the program and to cultivating a different kind of relationship with God, turning to God as the source of power and taking making it my business each day to focus my day around the solution, the spiritual solution of abstinence and of recovery. So that's what I'm building today, um, a daily daily program of action that begins with a power greater than myself and um, has me turning to that power throughout the day as I begin to develop a deeper sense of being in God's presence. And I, I know God has always been there, but my self-will has blocked him. So I'm really grateful to be abstinent today and to be among others who are so generously supporting me in getting on my feet. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Mary G. from New York. Up next, we have Jane followed by Rhonda. Go ahead, Jane. Hi, this is Jane B. from Massachusetts. Go ahead, Jane. The, uh, hi, I, I just wanted to comment on um, the last three times I got drunk on the way home from here. and the decades that I that I overate um, in this disease was so became so hopeless for me. And what comes to my mind is the word um, to surrender, surrendering to this hopelessness of um, decades of overeating. The definition of surrender means to cease resistance to an opponent or an enemy. And I love that because um, I want to resist uh, this disease, and the only way I can do that is to to do it his way. Um, I like words, and I was looking up the word um, surrender again, and it's the action of yielding one's person or giving up the possession of something. So I'm giving up my self-will, in order for God to heal me of this compulsive overeating. And the secret joy of a surrendered life, it's really not a secret. I found it in um, on page 164 in the big book. Is, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly dis- disclose more to you and to us. 
ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. And to me, it's the, it's the spiritual life of this journey. It's the spiritual life that I have had a spiritual life for decades. I don't know why he called me um, to this these beautiful meetings this last year, but I jumped in 100%, and I have been seeing miracles happen every day. I was so wrapped up in emotions with my family, with my family's problems, my kids, and um, he's shown me how to lay that down, that when I'm weak, he's strong. I am sick, he will heal, heal me by the miracles of my life, and it's called surrender to me. Um, I've been in healthcare for 50 years, and when a, when a patient is in a bed in the hospital, he's, he's actually hopeless because of this disease that he has, doesn't matter what it is but he's surrendering to either death or to healing. So today I choose, I, I choose God and the healing part, and um, I know that today I can be successful, and I'm so grateful for these meetings. I love all of my brothers and sisters in a way. And um, the last part, the bottom of 164 says, Time, please. Uh, give freely of what you and join us, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And I say amen to that. Thanks so much, Jane B. from Massachusetts. Up next, we have Rhonda G. Go ahead, Rhonda. Rhonda T. I'm from Torrance, California. Can you hear me? Hello? Go right ahead, Rhonda. Okay. Hi. Um, Yes, uh, I am new. Um, I've been a member of of AA since 2008, really struggled with that um, alcohol. When then letting go of alcohol, sugar came into my life, um, you know, head first. And um, sometimes it's hard for me to stay at work um, or even work because I'll eat a whole bunch of donuts and then I can't work and I can't function. Um, and then I go back to alcohol because it's like I can't I can't get fat and back and forth 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 and like I said I am new to OA and I um, I need direction I need help I don't know what to do I just like I feel like I'm stuck and it's, and for me it's not I'm, I'm not overweight anymore but I'm um, the the behavior is so um, it's torture it's torture. Um, I, I just want to get rid of the behavior, you know. Uh, I just feel like I'm in a um, a crazy thing. I can't even explain. Thank you, Rhonda G from California. Thanks so much for showing up today. Um, and stay on the line to introduce yourself as a newcomer, if you would. We're so glad you're okay. here. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Up next, I have Melinda L. Hi, can I be heard? Very well. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Hi, this is Melinda L. in Florida, uh, grateful, compulsive overeater. Uh, so um, hopeless. Uh, that took me right back to before a finding program, before pro- I knew program existed, and um, I literally felt hopeless. I felt like I was just swimming with the sharks, and and sinking and 
you know, God put somebody in my path and I was expressing my, my hopelessness over the food and that I couldn't stop eating. And, and this woman turned out to be in OA and shared some of her experience with me. Um, and she was so gentle and I felt such a peace around her. I still think about that till this day. And she guided me into the rooms. And when I came in, I, and I, I really started to work the program and, you know, really listen and, and really, uh, starting to surrender, even though I didn't even feel like I believed in a God, but this peace just came over me. And I loved hearing that I had no willpower because I spent my entire life thinking, I have no willpower. Why don't I have willpower? Other people are doing it. You know, other people talked about, you know, being in, in, in weight loss programs. And I spent years in, in weight loss programs and everybody else is achieving their goal. Why can't I get to my goal weight? And the obsessiveness of that and so coming into program and finding out that I had no willpower and finding out that there was something greater than myself, it took me some time to come to what that was for me. And I remember hearing at some point in step three that, you know, God is intuition. And that struck me like a hammer over the head because I always had a very strong intuition. The problem was I never listened to it. And so once I grasped onto that, I literally felt this hopelessness disappear. Like there is a solution. And I have found it for the first time in my life. I mean, I was into my early 40s when I came into program. That was almost 14 years ago. And I can't say, you know, I have had years of abstinence and years of struggle. But the one thing is, <laughs> for me, once I came into program, there was no turning back. So even when I was struggling, I knew that I wasn't hopeless. I knew it was a solution. I just had to surrender to that. And, you know, thank God for a vision. It's been over a year that I, that I came in and, and I have been abstinent and it, what a miracle. I mean, I feel so blessed. There's, there's so many people out there that don't even know this program exists and they are it, hopeless. So I'm so grateful that I was guided in and that, I can call in every morning and, and listen to you guys. You feed my soul. And, and thank you for, um, for all of you for being here. And, and, and I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Melinda L. from Florida. Perfect timing. And we do have uh, time for a couple more shares. Who else would like to share on what was read today? Lisa B.T. Lisa B.T. Anita J. Anita J. Right, there we go. Okay, if you guys all take two minutes, we can probably get through all three people. Go right ahead, Lisa BT. Okay, thank you so much. This is Lisa BT, uh, gratefully recovered in uh, Guelph uh, near Toronto, Canada. Um, I, I was really struck today by that first line, hopelessness was writ large, right? Because to me, Hopelessness and fear are both things which feel, uh, my experience of them is, they're very big, they take up all the space, and nothing else can get in um, when, they're, when they're really, when I'm feeling really gripped. Loud. And, um, sorry, am I not speaking loud enough? 
You are. Sure. Somebody's unmuted. Um, Go right ahead. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. Um, so um, I guess what I just wanted to share was just something even from this morning, and I identified myself as recovered, and I'm, I, you know, in, um, you know, working my program well, all that sort of thing, and yet still this morning when I woke up, I felt fearfulness, and what came to me was, um, all right, what is the next right thing, just a small thing, instead of like facing the largeness with just what's one small thing that might, that I could do now. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's to call into this meeting. I know we have many, many people on the line that call in. And I think that that itself is, is just a small act of, of, of courage that just says, I'm just going to call in and listen. Um, and, and, and really not, not worrying all the time about am I going to get, you know, am I going to get it and all that kind of stuff, which believe me, I've been decades on as well. But just what's the next thing that could help me in this moment? Um, could I make a call? Um, could I have a glass of water? Um, could I, you know, whatever it might be. But I think that for me has turned out to be a really helpful way to address when I get, um, when things get writ large. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anita J, go right ahead. Thank you, Jen A. This is Anita J, recovered in Massachusetts. You know, have you heard, I'm sure you have, you've heard, I'm only as sick as my secrets. And I finally came to see years ago, but that was secrets from myself. I couldn't bear the thought of facing that I am powerless and hopeless about food or anything. It, it was just, it would just have me out there floating in the universe, untethered, and um, that's when my recovery began, you know, when I finally landed and admitted, no, you can't handle this on your own. You are powerless. You're powerless over most things, but this, this one has got you baffled. It always did. Face it. And the crazy thing is once I faced it, such freedom, such freedom to know that there's somebody taking care of me. I don't have to do it. And um, I wish that for everybody. And I know that every day I have to remember to start with gratitude and thank that power that keeps me uh, tethered to him and not to a freezer full of what. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Anita Day. And Matia, if you'd like to, it looks like we're out of time. I'm so sorry um, that hour just went by so fast. So um, maybe you can uh, be the first person to share on the second hour, Matia, if you'll just hang on for that. And thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this closing of this portion of the meeting. If you're ready for the share ID for today, grab your pen and paper. Today, Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023, for our 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Edition uh, is 
the number is going to be 20,696. That's 20696. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book. It's on page 164. It's followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Maria H. please read a vision for you? Thanks, Jan. Maria H. recovered in Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.